When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lovecraft Country Chronicles, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please welcome your hosts, Mia Johnson and Natalie Zamora. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lovecraft Country Chronicles podcast. My name is Natalie Zamora, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mia Johnson. Today, we're going to do one of our bonus episodes again, and though sadly we don't have a special guest with us today, I think we're still going to have some fun and maybe educate people who are listening. (laughs) Yeah, I was excited to... This one has kind of been like in the back of our minds, like we wanted to do this, but we've had so many guests that it was like, you know, we kept pushing it back further and further. So, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's still a a winning situation, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. So, for everyone listening this episode, we're going to talk about Easter eggs in Lovecraft Country because there are so many and it seems like impossible to get them all in our weekly recap (laughs) episodes. Um, And when I was putting together a list of them, like I was just so overwhelmed because there are so many in every single episode. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the interesting thing that it is an Easter egg. Cause I'm pretty sure, I think not a single one of these that I've gotten, maybe one, Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, yeah, they do a really, really good job of hiding these, these things. in. And it's kind of like when you go on Twitter you start mm-hmm. to have this scavenger hunt <laughs> and it's like people are chiming in and, and seeing, you know, claiming the things that they see. So I'm excited to, you know, for us to reveal this to some of the people who, you know, either maybe are not on Twitter as often or you just don't mm-hmm. see these things. These are going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, so before we get into the Easter eggs, we do want to recommend a podcast to our listeners Um, so if you're like us and appreciate some laughter with your scares, then there's a podcast you need to check out each week. Comedy horror podcast called my neighbors are dead. talks to the lesser known characters from your favorite horror films as played by guests from the world of comedy, horror and beyond. So if you ever wanted to hear from the neighbors at nine Cloverfield lane, or what if we told you Michael Myers wasn't the worst patient of Dr. Loomis, Listen in as host Adam Peacock talks to those just outside the terror with such guests as Tawny Newsom, Paul F. Tompkins, Dwayne Perkins, and more. You can check out My Neighbors Are Dead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, we've got some <laughs> we've got some neighbors. Yay! Some horror <laughs> friends out there. So we recommend you go give them a listen if you wanna really, you know, go forth and get some more horror goodies. Totally. 
Um, okay, so let's jump into the Easter egg. So I kind of just have these in order of the episodes, mm -hmm. um, not really in order of importance, but right in the first episode, right in the beginning, um, the Denmark Vessi's bar, um, I had not heard of this person admittedly, but so in episode one, Atticus goes to the local bar where his dad Montrose often goes to, to go mm -hmm. and see, you know, why hasn't he been there? Where's he, where's he been? Um, so Denmark Vesey was a real person. Um, so he was a slave who was accused and convicted of rebelling and he was actually executed in 1822. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's something that, you know, I didn't learn in school. That's something I had to do some research yeah. on. Had you heard of him? Yeah, these are one of that's one of those things where maybe not necessarily this because they hit it like they you know kind of did a good job of hiding it but mm -hmm. lovecraft makes you think about these things that you usually at least in american school systems you're not really yes. taught about uh mm -hmm. yeah that's reminding me of the uh courtney b vance interview i did where mm -hmm. I, I i think i told the story before where he was like yeah a lot of people are just kind of ignorant to a lot of these things and what it, what is it you know like the victors write history or something like that so it's really oh, yeah. like <laughs> it's like now that we have all these resources to go back and to find these names and to put them out there like that um it's really it's it's interesting right that we finally get to kind of go back through history and learn these types of things so such as this person's name and i think yeah. in a way it's a little honoring of them yeah, totally. And now I'm like, every time there's a brand name or something, a restaurant, I'm like, I need to look it up to see if this is I a know. person. <laughs> I bet it's like, I can only imagine just getting to be on set, how f like sort of fun it is to be like, how many little things can we drop in there? Yeah. I think we're both like creative people. So, <laughs> you know, like we, we get to write and maybe you might like be able to put a pun and a mm -hmm. headline or something like that. But I think it's really cool to be like on the set of something. And you have this opportunity to do some name drops or to oh, set up okay. these sequences that look like certain pictures. Uh, yeah, kind of like when we talked to the cinematographer, Michael Watson, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how he's yeah. talking about, you know, where he draws his inspiration from and all of that. Uh, maybe we should try it. Can we like go and, you know, go on set one day and like yeah. give them some opinions on what we want to do? Just have <laughs> some fun, let loose. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So much thought goes into it that like you wouldn't like, I mean, I wouldn't even think of like, I wouldn't yeah. think like, oh, let's name the bar something that actually means something. I'd be like, <laughs> all right, it's already up there. Let's just keep it as is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking at the tweet that we have. Yes. Um, with the picture of it. I just love how they were able to transform the street. Yeah. Because uh, this, this scene was actually filmed in Chicago. It says, mm -hmm. um, filming today in the Lakeview neighborhood, saying how many people are involved and how much time it takes to set up one scene. This is from at Jaws Lynn, who shared this photo back in July of, wow, 2018. Yeah, 2018. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I didn't even see that. Yeah, I know. I saw this tweet just because I saw that um, the Chicago Tribune did a piece about they transformed the it was a dive bar called l and l tavern and they changed it. it um and then they like embedded um her tweet in there and i was like oh my gosh 2018 <laughs> yeah it really takes Crazy. a long time because this article is from 2020 and the mm -hmm. tweet is from 2018 so it goes to show how long it takes to do this stuff 
Yeah. yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. And of course, like I said, me being from Chicago, I always love this oh, stuff. Yeah. I'm not usually ever around in that neighborhood. So this particular bar doesn't ring a bell, but it's still, mm. you know, it has that familiar Chicago style. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Uh, another Easter egg that's kind of just a little nod that I had no idea about either. I had to do research about this because I had never seen these photos. So, mm-hmm. um, Gordon Parks, a photographer, their, uh, photograph called department store, which it's in episode one. So they reference this. It's very like, I don't, I don't know how people recognize it, but they put it on Twitter. That's how I saw it. Yeah. So we'll get to who posted it. But so in episode one, when Atticus, Letitia, and George are on their way to find Montrose, they stop, you know, a few times. And it's when we have that James Baldwin speech sequence. Mm-hmm. It's just the montage of them. And everywhere they go, it's kind of like the colored sign, colored entrance. Um, and those two, the colored entrance that was like kind of in a neon um, color. And then just that little colored sign um, when they were getting, you know, food. Um, that was just taken exactly from this photograph or the series of photographs by um, Gordon Parks. And it was part of a series called The Restraints Open and Hidden, and it was published mm-hmm. in Life magazine. Um, so at Mr. Algernon, sorry to you um, <laughs> for mispronouncing, but he posted the um, by, side by sides and it, yeah. yeah, it's identical. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And I had known, I've seen the picture of the woman and her mother before. That was kind of the big one that they were referencing yeah. back in, did we say the year? What was, oh, nine, no. no. What's the date say. on that Life magazine? Does it say September 24th? Uh, 1956. Oh, 1956. So yeah. <laughs> more than 50 years almost to this day. I can't I listen when they say journalism people went to journalism school cuz we can't do math. That's the yeah. truth. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> totally. But anyway, yeah. Wow, would that almost be like what some odd 70 years ago now to think about that i always not to get too off subject i always think like we're still in 2000 so it makes it easy oh, to know, be like, like oh yeah the 80s were 20 <laughs> years ago the 90s the 70s were 30 years ago but that's yep. not the case anymore but yeah to think about now how old this picture has grown i've yeah i've seen the picture of the mother and the child before mm-hmm. um and to see how it was replicated in lovecraft i think it's just really brilliant. I'm like, oh my goodness. I know. Yeah, it's exact and it's it's crazy. And I feel like it just makes the whole sequence even more powerful, even though it already yeah. was with the Baldwin speech over it. You know, you're getting a feel of this is how black people lived in the 50s. And then exactly. it's just awesome that this was a reference to, you know, a photographer back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's like using those scenes to you know, those familiar scenes to invoke that feeling. Mm-hmm. If I'm being like an, an art, you know, <laughs> aficionado mm-hmm. or an aficionado of cinematography mm-hmm. and really evoke those feelings of me. But gosh, yeah, yeah I love this. Yeah, it's a awesome. great find. <laughs> and I like to think like, you know, Gordon Parks was actually taking a picture of like Letitia and Atticus Aww. and the <laughs> there, like yeah. just thinking about, you know, he took that picture in the show, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's funny really to cute. think. okay so the third easter egg we have here is in episode two now and this one is less of a nice homage it's more of a creepy addition okay so in episode two 
Atticus goes to explore the vi- the village in Artem when he kind of just like walks around to see what the town is like. Um, mm-hmm. He walks by a group of kids dancing around like what looks like a tree or like a wooden statue figure of a person maybe. Mm-hmm. And there's like red ribbon that they're pulling on. And I had to go back to rewatch this because I didn't remember yeah. it that well. It was so fast. But I saw people tweeting, of course, um, and I'll get to exactly who said it, but um, saying it could be a nod to the pagan maypole ritual, which is like Mm -hmm. about fertility. I I did so much research on this maypole (laughs) thing because it's so creepy. Um, And I know they use it in like horror movies, um, The Wicker Man and Midsommar. And both of them are so creepy to me that I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I saw that and I was like, okay, is that really it? And then I saw at Erica Joy had tweeted lots of themes about fertility. Did you see the maypole and procreation in this episode? So now I'm thinking like the whole fertility thing, like we don't know if Letitia's pregnant, but it seems that way. Like, is this yeah. some type of foreshadowing? I don't know. <laughs> I know. What are you guys saying? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's that creepy. That is an interesting theme that kind of like comes up a little bit especially with uh who's this the slave ancestor hannah yeah with her being pregnant too so there's this whole idea about that for (laughs) for some reason letty came to mind like okay is that like a foreshadowing of her maybe but also because they were in the village i was thinking about the shaga that christina helped bring it to this world (laughs) oh yeah 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 yeah. maybe they were doing that they were having a celebration (laughs) for you know the shaga's birthday yeah (laughs) that could be it that could be it that's what i was thinking like is this just an added creepy element to the episode or does it really mean anything yeah i wouldn't doubt it i think they it's like with them everything has intention like sometimes you might see something and it's really like "Eh, i'm just overthinking i feel like every single detail of this is done with some sort of intention so i the the heart of me wants to say that this was done for some certain reason, mm-hmm. but I can't tell if it's if it's just like to embody the whole theme of fertility mm-hmm. and being like, hey, we've just got a lot of this going on in this show, or to foreshadow something like the Shagoth or you know mm-hmm. whatever could be happening with Letty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just feeds into the whole common theme of the white people are very creepy and doing (laughs) dark magic. (laughs) Like the whole paganism thing with like sacrificing people. I'm like, is that gonna, is that foreshadowing too? Oh, hmm. I honestly don't know because I I still, (laughs) I'm I'm just as curious as everyone else, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was just a really creepy one that I really didn't notice the first time around. I was like, oh, God, even the kids, there's something wrong with them, too. Yeah, they're like, la, 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 <laughs> just going around the pole. Yeah, it's very, very odd. I don't know how I didn't notice that, too, because it really looks like it's like a, a person, like a wooden thing, like the Wicker Man oh, movie. Oh, see, I, now I need to go back and no like, actually see that scene. I'm going to be, basically, I'm going to be watching all of these and, like, hitting pause with every yeah. every little frame. Like, what is that? What is that? What is that? I know. That's what you have to do with this show, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for our next one, this one I thought was really cool. So, the hat tip to the website GameSpot for this one because I regret <laughs> it there. And I had not seen anyone talking about this. 
So in episode two, towards the end of the episode, um, where they're trying to drive away and there's like this wall that comes up, not a literal wall, but you know, they can't go past it. Yeah, like that that force field thing. Yeah. And that happens a few times um, in the show as well. But so at that time, the song Killing Strangers by Marilyn Manson is played. And at that time, like I thought that was kind of, it didn't take me out of the moment, but I was kind of like, why are we listening to Marilyn Manson right now? It's kind of random. Um, But actually, so the song that he wrote, Marilyn Manson, was inspired by his dad and the PTSD he faced after serving in the military during the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. So I guess that is a tie-in just because in that episode, you know, um, George and Letitia are thinking that Atticus is having really bad PTSD. That's why he remembers everything and they don't because they think he's just making it up or he saw it because he has PTSD. So, I mean, I don't think that's a, that's just, like, that has to be on purpose, because why are we listening to Marilyn Manson? I know, I know. <laughs> Wait, okay, I have to ask you first, did you know, like, when you were watching this, that it was a Marilyn Manson song? I did, but I usually listen to it, I usually watch it with subtitles, and it'll, uh, like, <laughs> So it tipped you off? Yeah, so it'll okay. say, like, it'll say, like, Killing Strangers by Marilyn Manson is Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know you were a fan, Natalie. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, I didn't either. And I didn't know the name of the song. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't, that was one of those things. I don't think I was paying attention to the lyrics either. I don't know if the yeah. lyrics of this specific song have anything that are, for. I guess the lyrics of the song would because of the subject matter that you just told me about. Right. And I think like killing strangers, like killing people in war type of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm looking through the strange, the, not the strangers, the lyrics <laughs> to strangers right now. You better run. Cause we got guns. Oof. Oh, Oh geez. Yeah. I mean, basically that's what was going on in that scene. Um, especially this is when Letty got shot. Yeah. It looks like it. Like yeah. Right before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. The connection, especially between, you know, having the father in the war. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess Atticus was in the Korean War, but, you know, time periods and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just Marilyn Manson is a whole adds to the creepiness. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you ever wanted a creepy somebody, you know, to, to back the vocals <laughs> or to, to add music to this, go ahead and use Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely, yeah, it made it very creepy. Um, that's like something I was wondering, how do you think, because we, we've touched upon it a little bit, but just in general, how do you think that music has played a part in the show? Because oh, there, wow. there are so many newer songs, older songs, it's such mm-hmm. a mix. And I feel like every song, you know, tells its own story to the scene and it shapes the scene so much every time. Yeah, they use song because sometimes, you know, it's just regular score in the background, you know, violins or whatever they've got going on. But yeah, when they do use actual songs, I feel like it in most cases, it really always adds to the intensity. I just remember the when, you know, they used Cardi B like Bodak Yellow, like just, you know, (laughs) she's got this Ruby's got this boss energy. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking of something else, too. I can't remember. I feel like this was more well done than like like. I think we talked about the Great Gatsby. They tried to use like hip hop in the nineteen twenties. It just didn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel these. This feels a lot more powerful when they use song in this, mm-hmm. and it feels a lot more 
uh, you know, like a, a really deliberate choice and not just, hey, let's throw Jay-Z in here just yeah. so, you know, this could be cool and hip and <laughs> yeah, modern. Yeah, so we seem cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I really love their choice of song, even when I don't know it. And like I said, the one when, uh, was it at the end with the episode with Montrose, I really like that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That was um, a second favorite scene. So I yeah. really like how they use music. Yeah, I do too. I agree. And usually like, I think, yeah, with The Great Gatsby, usually when movies and shows use a mix of old and modern, I kind of feel like not so great about it. <laughs> yeah. It, it usually is like, you know, like, all right, pick one. I don't I don't know where mm-hmm. we are right now, but this does feel like very intentional and it works. Yeah. And it doesn't throw me out of the scene. Like, I know it's supposed to be the 50s and here we are using yeah. a song maybe from 2000 something. To me, yeah, it doesn't detract from anything it doesn't feel out of place i think i'd rather hear cardi b than at most times you know some song from the 50s because it just doesn't (laughs) it doesn't i think you can play with the the use of music and here i am again being you know like oh now i'm a music critique but (laughs) i I think it really doesn't matter the time period so long as it it fits and now it's like this mixed media because you've got you know the movie and it's Mm -hmm. this from this year and you've got the song and it's from this year. So there's a way for them to, to come together and juxtapose one another in a beautiful, harmonious way. <laughs> I should went yeah. to art school or music school. What yeah. am I doing? <laughs> I also think like it kind of, I mean, usually, you know, music, you can relate to music more, but um, like, I'm not saying nobody is nobody watching this is like people from the 50s that grew up. Sorry, I can't talk to people that grew up in the 50s. I'm sure can are watching this show, enjoying it. But, you know, for people our age to hear modern music, it kind of like we have our own relation to it. It Mm -hmm. kind of means something to us. Whereas, like you said, a song from the 50s, it would be like, all right, it makes sense. But yeah, I I don't know it (laughs) kind of thing. Like it doesn't it doesn't touch me in a way that Bodak Yellow does. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag relatable. (laughs) Um, So maybe that was another reason. I'm not sure. (laughs) So moving on to our next one. Number five. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we have Emmett Till. Um, we talked about this a few times very briefly, but I actually didn't realize that there were more than just one reference to him. Mm. So I know we talked about in episode three, um, he was playing the Ouija board with D and, you know, their group of friends. Um, and he was wearing a similar outfit. A lot of people pointed that out on Twitter and were like, it has to be Emmett Till. Um, mm-hmm. But then also um, in a later episode, D asked about when Bobo will be coming back from his trip, which I didn't know oh. I saw on Twitter was Emmett Till's nickname. I, so, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, just for anyone listening, if you guys don't know who Emmett Till is or was, um, so he was a 14-year-old boy. He was murdered in 1955 um, after allegedly flirting with a white woman. Um, there were no witnesses, apparently, but she said that he grabbed her and, you know, made advances towards her. So and this was in Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mississippi, yeah. And so the woman, um, her name was Carolyn Bryant. Her husband and her brother uh brutally murdered Emmett Till they beat him shot him tied him to a cotton machine with barbed wire 
and threw his body into the river. So that is something I actually did learn about in school, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is someone that, you know, has kind of lived on as, I feel like a symbol just for brutality, for racism. Um, they had his mom decided to do an open, cas- open casket funeral. And then mm-hmm. I know, I remember um, a magazine published the photos just so, you know, everyone can see exactly what's going on and the racism that is happening. Yeah. It's obviously terrible. And then the worst part of it all is that, uh, I don't know what the worst part of it is, but then later on the woman, Carolyn Bryant confessed that it didn't happen. So Mm. he was, you know, innocent. And I think that's something that's happened um, so many times since and before. And so I think he kind of just, it was a symbol and is a symbol for just the terrible things that you know people do out of being racist and the brutality mm-hmm. and the violence so it's terrible so yeah so he's in the show we saw him once i think and now he's on this trip which is you know the mississippi trip mm-hmm. um so do we think that they're gonna explore this further do we want the show to i mean you know, this is something that wasn't in the book at all. Um, it was just a choice for the show. Okay. Yeah. So do we think that they're going to include his murder in there? I feel like they have to at least reference it just because they have talked about him a few times. Mm-hmm. But like, how much do we want? Do we want it? Yeah. Included? Yeah. It feels like a mini arc in this, especially with his connection to D. Since yeah. that's her friend. It feels like that's something that they shouldn't leave open-ended. Yeah. Um, it has to be addressed, I would say, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because it's like, okay, you know, act one of this is him with D, and he's getting ready to go on the trip. Act two, as you found out, was uh, D asking about his trip. And then I guess the yeah, act three would have to be something about, you know, what happens to him. Yeah. Do they find out what happens after him? Uh, how do people react to that? Uh, so that is interesting, which actually <laughs> I think it's worth noting then because all of the episode titles are out, mm-hmm. that the um, episode eight title is Jigga Bobo, which mm-hmm. I I didn't know that was his nickname. So now it kind of makes more sense. So I'm like, maybe it will have him. Yeah. Um, you know, as they continue. But yeah, I do think that it's worth just having some sort of closing piece to acknowledge what happened to him and not just be I don't I wouldn't say it's an elephant in the room because we yeah. all know what happened, but just right, for the series right. at least to say something. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And usually what do you think just about fictional shows that randomly include, you know, real life people from history? Because usually mm-hmm. I don't like it. I feel like it kind of is like it depends on the show, but usually I feel like they're just forcing it, kind of. Yeah. But I do like it in this because it's subtle enough, and it's not like they're, you know, changing the whole story to include yeah. him in it. Um, even though, you know, that would be fine, too. But, yeah, I don't think it, you know, is taking away anything from this show. Right. Yeah, this is done really subtly, like, um, even as we talked about before, like just barely, you know, just mentioning Martin Luther King by his name yeah. or his, you know, mm-hmm. his original name. So not even showing him, yeah. which I think that's kind of, I feel like it would, you know, if it's like, Ooh, are they going to throw in MLK or 
Um, I think we're a little bit ahead of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably wouldn't be something they would do, but it, it just feels kind of distracting to really have them be in there. So I think this is really a nice, subtle way to throw them in. Now, I feel like this past episode is is an exception because Hippolyta herself, when she was going back in time yeah. to see someone like Josephine Baker, I think it adds to that because she was little, she was going back in time. So yeah. <laughs> they were playing with that and they were making it fun. Um, but yeah, I think this, this kind of treads nicely and just being something where it's like, okay, we're going to use this and use it with purpose too. Yeah. Right. Not mm-hmm. just, Oh, we're going to throw in Martin Luther King. So everybody is happy or excited to right. see him. Like, <laughs> right. like, you know, some kind of Nick Fury cameo in a Marvel movie, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's not like that. I think it's, it's pretty tasteful. And again, it still leads you to want to know more about this history and want to know more about the things that like actually happened. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like, even though with the Emmett Till storyline, we are waiting to just see how they close it up. It's not like another loose end that, you know, Mm -hmm. needs a whole episode to cover, um, like the other plot lines that we're waiting to figure out. Um, All the other plot lines. (laughs) (laughs) Like this, I think they could, you know, conclude it in a, in a nice tasteful way. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there for sure. Um, okay. And then for our ne- next Easter egg, um, I have two in here about episode titles. Um, I feel like most of them are referenced to stuff, but I think that, you know, some are more obvious than others. Mm-hmm. This one. So for strange case, which is episode five, I did not realize this at first. Um, but it's probably most likely referencing, um, a reference referring to the book a strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mm. Hyde, just based on, you know, everything that happens in this episode with Ruby. I didn't know. I didn't think of this just because, you know, I actually have not read that book. I just know the story. And yeah, I, same, I just, yeah. I just think of, think of it as Jekyll and Hyde. I don't think, you know, <laughs> strange case. Yeah. So that wasn't something that came to mind immediately. But um, if anyone mm. listening doesn't know the story, you know, it's the over the years it's kind of turned into just like the trope of a two-sided personality like one is good and one is evil Mm -hmm. um and i think you know that plays into the episode with ruby turning into hillary um i'm not sure if one is good and one is evil but you know it's just that two-sided two side like two parts of you and you know you have like you're telling yourself okay i should do this no i should do that you know giving into temptation and all of that so that was pretty cool yeah what's interesting about that is i think when he becomes mr hyde it's kind Mm -hmm. of like he gets this different mind Mm -hmm. um uh yeah i again i don't completely know but right it's like oh you become a different person that's why when they're like it's the case of dr jekyll and mr hyde is because it's like oh you were this completely you know normal nice person now you've turned into this monster yeah I wouldn't necessarily say that Ruby, and this is interesting, Yeah, that Ruby changes personalities un- subconsciously, right? Like Dr. Jekyll, if he turns, he's not going to have any control over what he thinks or how he acts because now mm-hmm. he's just this new person. But it's interesting for Ruby because, yeah, she assumes this new body, 
but it's still Ruby, right? It's still the same yeah. mind, but she's consciously, you know, now she is acting like a white woman where she can be, you know, maybe a little uppity, unfortunately, to the black mm-hmm. clerk um, yeah. salesperson or something like that. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say she is necessarily evil as when she turns into Hillary or the white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I do just, I do like that similarity though, between, you know, naming the book and the, I didn't know. <laughs> I think that yeah. was the one where I was like, what does this title mean? I really, yeah. I kind of just brushed it off. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't, I agree. I wouldn't say that Hillary is evil. It just, you know, it's the same Ruby, except she is free to do so many other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then our next one, we have a Candyman reference, which I didn't think of the, the first watch around in episode five. Um, but, you know, it makes sense. Uh, Candyman is, you know, a huge, huge movie for black horror. And then mm-hmm. Jordan Peele is writing the new reboot of it or the remake of it. Um, so it makes sense. But so in episode five, uh, Montrose goes to Sammy's apartment. Uh, we see that he lives in Cabrini Green in Chicago, and that's the same setting that the movie Candyman takes place in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty cool. I'm wondering, yeah. you know, is there like a, is there some type of creepy, like, I'm trying to think like supernatural, like twist, <laughs> yeah. like this area is cursed or something like yeah. that. But, although, you know, Candyman, it takes place way later than this. So yeah. I that would be a funny, <laughs> a funny twist or a funny nod to that. Yeah. Which that's actually from where I'm living, like by car, like literally just a minute away. Oh. Um, it's one of those neighborhoods that has really undergone gentrification in Chicago because yeah. we've got really a, you know, like how they portray um, in the show, this split between North and South side. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, there's still, you know, different mixes of races and stuff on all sides of the city. But yeah. um, that area in particular was a black side of the city. It's where Good Times was based. Um, yeah. And over time, yeah, basically gentrification kicked in. It tore down, you know, all the projects and all yeah. those things. Uh, like my mother's side of the family is north side Chicago. So... Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this is the I'm back in the area where we grew up now, but it's just like it's completely different. So different. And you know yeah. when they put a Whole Foods in, <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Yeah, like it's completely um, changed. I think the last time when I was in New York, I was like, oh, there's a Whole Foods in Harlem now. Wow, <laughs> things oh, yeah. are changing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that was interesting. I think the new Candyman movie is probably going to address that gentrification as well. Um, yeah. But, that's delayed, so I'm going to have yeah. to wait to see that. <laughs> Whenever that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then our next one, we're at number eight now out of ten. Uh, so this is another episode title for episode six, the Meet Me in Daegu, the one um, with Jaya, her episode. So I didn't even think about this. Just another yeah. one that's like, oh, wow, I probably yeah. should realize that. So anyone listening, if, these, if this is too obvious for you, I'm sorry, but we're going to go over it. Um, so <laughs> it, it's, you know, a nod to the movie that she loves, the Judy Garland, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a play on that title. Um, for whatever reason, didn't realize that because when she was watching it, the movie in the beginning, I Googled what it was because I was like, all right, this is probably going to be important, but it, mm-hmm. I still didn't connect the dots. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so I thought that was cute. You know, obviously we love that episode. So I'm a fan of the title now. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, it kind of even more highlights, you know, the life that she's living and the life that she dreams of and the life that she wants, um, whether it really is in America or just, you know, in the movies Mm -hmm. in Hollywood, that, that kind of fantasy. I'm smacking myself because I didn't put that together either. (laughs) And when I saw it, when I saw the beginning of the episode, I was like, I've never seen Meet Me in St. Louis, but I knew that was what she was watching. Mm -hmm. And maybe it came to mind because I knew the like episode of the title. I was like, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, meet me, meet me. But I still didn't put it together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, I like that. And to me, it almost, if I were to find some, you know, symbolism out of it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like her wishing her life was a movie, you know, sing song like Judy Garland and, you know, Perfect and Christine, Christine. But it wasn't necessarily the case it was not a judy garland movie but you know like a michael myers movie yeah not the not the comedian (laughs) the horror one (laughs) yeah yeah that's true yeah because she's desperately trying to get out of this um, life that she has and yeah and so that's why it's so sad when the movie's closed out Uh, the best character. Okay. Right. Uh, we could just have a whole episode about her, even though we did hmm. with the episode. Yeah, I know. I, I could go on and on and on. I wasn't done and I'll never be done. Just a fan club. Uh, okay. So we're at number nine now. Okay. So this one was really cool. I look, I found this on Reddit. Um, so in episode seven, when Hippolyta is driving, there's a really awesome scene where she's driving and then there's a black woman on a motorcycle and she drives up right beside her. And they like mm-hmm. wave happily and Hippolyta's like, hey, and she looks just very happy, you know, to see this woman. Um, so I saw on Reddit, because I was thinking, you know, that has to be someone in history. Like, why why are they focusing in on this other yeah. than it could just be a feel good moment. Yeah. But I think, you know, <laughs> yeah, it seems to linger a little too long. Yeah. So someone on Reddit was saying that it was uh, supposed to be Bessie Stringfield. So I looked her up. She was the first African-American woman to drive on a motorcycle across the country solo. Oh, all right. <laughs> and so I guess that's what she was doing. And uh, she was actually, she was also a motorcycle dispatch rider for the army during World War II. Um, so like, that's really cool. You know, yeah. I thought that was really fun. And I think, you know, I have this question of how do we think the scene you know, how did, how did it set the tone for the episode now that we know everything that Hippolyta went through? Uh-huh. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, I, I, oh, okay. you can go ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're way too polite on this. I know. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> I'll start by reading the comment um, from the original mm-hmm. poster on the Reddit thread, mm-hmm. which I think links to that because this person gives an extra fact about Bessie where it says Bessie made people believe she was born Jamaican to a Jamaican father and a Dutch mother, even though her records show she was born in North Carolina, makes Mm -hmm. her appearance in the latest episode even more connected to the storyline about rebirth and becoming who you want to be, which Mm -hmm. again, it's like right over my head. (laughs) But yeah, she's a good symbolism, I guess, for, Mm -hmm. you know, the start of Hippolyta starting her own journey, right? This, um, you know, woman, uh, Bessie, was be able able to become something else and able to 
I'm not sure if the purpose of that, if it was to free herself or to, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to do some things that she might not have been able to. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of like a, maybe another foreshadowing, right? For that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel like it, it was definitely foreshadowing, you know, she's, she's representing, you know, female rights, black rights, like a pioneer yeah. definitely at that yeah. time. And so, you know, even if Hippolyta didn't know who she was or didn't really recognize it, it was probably subconsciously like, you know, this woman is doing this yeah. and I'm stuck at home. Even though she does love her life at home, it's also like, what could I do if I didn't yeah. have to, you know, be a housewife? Yeah, a woman on a motorcycle, she's just going. I like how Hippolyta cheered her on too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was cute. That was a good scene. I liked it. Okay, so we're coming now to our final Easter egg. So this one is obviously a very clear one, um, but I think it's just worth a full discussion about because we did talk about it for a second in our recap Mm -hmm. of episode seven, but we can't have an Easter egg list without this one, I don't think. So (laughs) at the end of episode seven, um, Atticus comes back from, you know, the portal that Hippolyta was also in, but they were in two different ones. We don't know Mm -hmm. what he saw or what happened to him in there, but he comes back with the book titled Lovecraft Country. So, you know, this, this is the book, this is the show and obviously the book (laughs) that the show is based on. Yeah. I gasped for that part for sure. Um, so it says that it's written by George Freeman. So Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Like, do we think George, uncle George wrote the story that's currently happening? Like, (laughs) Could something have happened when he was with Hippolyta in that alternate universe that she's like, all right, this is what's happening. And then he somehow writes it and then they go back in time. Like (laughs) it's definitely a stretch for the amount of episodes we have left, but I am, I really am, you know, I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. My brain is all like, what, what is going on? Like the, the, one thing I could think about, I was like, I feel like this has happened before where the, somebody has a book and mm-hmm. it's the title of the book you're reading. And then yeah. I remembered um, in Sherlock Holmes, like the very first book, um, mm-hmm. this Scarlet, oh my goodness, <laughs> a study in Star Scarlet. <laughs> I legitimately, I have a poster <laughs> of that, like on my back over there. So I was like, wait, what's that called again? On my, <laughs> on my wall. So I, um, that is like basically the way the Sherlock Holmes books are written is it's Dr. Watson who Mm -hmm. is writing about the mysteries of Sherlock Holmes. So he's technically supposed to be the author and you're reading the book that he published Mm -hmm. and it's not really the case, but you know, for fiction's sake. Right. Right. So I was like, Oh, so it's almost like, are we reading the book that uncle George published? Mm -hmm. And now somehow you know the books are overlapping and the stories are overlapping my like right my now my mind really hurts <laughs> trying to think yeah. about especially because we've got you know these portals and you can go to different dimensions and all these separate things so that i'm really excited to see how that turns out because it that made me really excited i was like things just really got meta over here like i know whoa, whoa. I know that changed everything for me. I was like, all right, now there's like a whole other point of this show that is about to be yeah. explored in three or four episodes. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of it. I'm very interested to see how that's going to, how that's going to turn out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've done a really good job. I think this list just shows that they put a lot of attention to detail in this and we've still got what, like 
two or three more episodes left, so I don't even know what they're going to pack into these next couple episodes. I know. I know. We have so many questions. And you know, before I forget this, I was going to say that's the fun part too, because they get to add in things that weren't necessarily a part of the book. Like you said, like the Emmett Till storyline or like you can't have music in a book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you get to add (laughs) these different layers of dimension to it. So it's, it's, this is a really fun ride. Yeah, totally. I agree. So do we have any closing thoughts besides that? I mean, I need to just like go through and rewatch all of these parts of the Easter eggs and then see how I feel and then probably discover 20 more. (laughs) There are so many. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to like really dig through the Reddit. I'm going to have to really dig Mm -hmm. through Twitter. I wish they had like an interactive thing on like HBO Max or something where it would show you little pop-ups like here's this thing and here's that thing or... You know what? They usually do this for a lot of the HBO shows where like uh, Game of Thrones or Westworld where they have a behind the scenes. I haven't seen any behind the scenes. I don't know if that's been uploaded yet, but I would love to like see a making of either episode by episode or just like a general, you know, making of. Yeah. They usually do like the after the episode too, but they haven't Mm -hmm. done it with this, right? I haven't seen any. Yeah. So, hmm, maybe a little hint <laughs> at our friends over on HBO to yeah. <laughs> provide us with some more content, please. We ask humbly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, for everyone listening, please make sure to give us a good review and ask your questions on Apple or tweet at us because we always want to hear your theories and your questions and anything you've got for us. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.